Well, it uh, took me till the snow flew uh, to get through with my summer series. Um, <laughs> so I don't know if it's safe to call this a fall series or not. <laughs> but anyway, um, we'll, we'll see. Uh, but I'm starting a new series today called uh, just Teaching on the Holy Spirit. And uh, I'm going to just give the introduction today. And then next week, Pastor Patrick is preaching and uh, he's got a message worked up for us, and then uh, I will follow through on the series. If you have a question or comment or anything that you want to hope that I will address during this series on the Holy Spirit, uh, you can fill out a communication card or connection card and uh, drop that in the offering or in my mailbox and, and uh, in the next couple weeks. And I won't promise anything, but I will attempt anyway uh, to deal with those issues. As I start this series, one thing that is obvious when you speak about the Holy Spirit is that the theology of the Holy Spirit is one of the more divisive things within the church among Christians today. And I want to say that that is horribly tragic. The Holy Spirit brought power and unity to the early church, not division. Not fighting, and all of that kind of stuff. Um, I am Wesleyan. I'm a happy Wesleyan. I believe what Wesleyans believe about the Holy Spirit, but it is always my goal to always be biblical before I am Wesleyan. I would hope it is your goal that whatever you do, it's your goal that you will always be biblical before you are anything else. Um, if I'm truly Holy Spirit filled, I can respect and appreciate people who have a different view of the Holy Spirit than I do. You think that's a fair statement? You should be able to appreciate and value and respect people who have a different view than you do on the Holy Spirit. If the, if the fruits of the Spirit are living inside of you, <laughs> you should be able to do that. I don't think it honors the Holy Spirit at all for us to constantly be at odds with others or highlighting those differences. And there will be differences that will come up but we can respect and honor and appreciate uh, those differences. In fact, um, I think it's possible for us to view those differences as different members of the same body. Again, Paul uses the analogy of spiritual gifts, but you can do it just within talking about the Holy Spirit. Also, that same analogy that Paul uses, you know, the eye doesn't say to the foot, I don't need you. And just because there's a denomination over here that has one view of the Holy Spirit, another one that is over here, doesn't mean that they can't look at each other and appreciate and value and say, the whole body of church needs you. They need your witness and what you have to say about the Holy Spirit. And vice versa, they need what this body has to say about the Holy Spirit. So that's kind of, as I introduce this whole theology, I hope that 
um, that's, that's what I want to communicate. The other thing I want to say to us today is that what I share today probably is not all that exciting. Um, it's pretty basic, simple stuff. But it's basic, simple stuff that your pastor needs to think more about. <laughs> and so I think that maybe that will be true for you. Um, it, it's basic, simple stuff that needs to challenge us more in terms of how we live our lives. You know, our theology of the Holy Spirit should impact us. It should make a difference in how we live. And so that, that's just by way of introduction there. Now, I told you I was going to talk to you about some very simple, basic stuff this morning. The first thing I want to say is that the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. Now, anyone here want to say, I didn't know that. <laughs> no, we know that. That's very simple, basic theology. The Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. The innate, um, Athanasian Creed from the 7th century reads, I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, and who with the Father and Son together is worshipped and glorified. Now, when you look at that, that tells us that the Holy Spirit comes from the Father and the Son to us and is worshipped and glorified with God. So he's part of the Godhead. Um, very important for us to notice. And then you go to the New Testament and Jesus gives the Great Commission and he gives it in that he says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So Jesus recognizes the Holy Spirit on the same you know, same level of importance as the Father and the Son in all, in all of that. Now, he's the third person of the Trinity. And so, and, and as we've noted there, he comes to us from the Father and the Son. Jesus writes to us, uh, uh, Jesus says to us, that unless he goes away, the Holy Spirit cannot come to us. So again, the Holy Spirit comes to us because... Jesus sends him to us. Now, Steve Deneff, who is a Wesleyan author, theologian, uh, he writes, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, the executor of the Godhead, and that means that all that God has ever done and all that God is going to do is done through the Holy Spirit. Now, to be an executor of something means to be an administrator of it. It is one who carries out the will of someone else. And so the Holy Spirit's role in your life and in my life is to carry out the will of God the Father and of Jesus Christ in your life. Now, I hadn't really given that a lot of thought before. But just stop and think about that. The Holy Spirit working in your life wants to work out, work in your life so that God's will is done in your life and so that the will of Jesus is done in your life and in my life. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. He's there to cause God's will to be done in your life. 
and to work that way. Now, many Christians in our world function as though there isn't a Holy Spirit. They intellectually know that the Holy Spirit exists, that he's part of the Trinity, but outside of that, the Holy Spirit is just a vague idea. They have the Trinity of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible. (laughs) And nowhere do you find that Trinity in the Scriptures. The Trinity in the Scriptures is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So if you are living your life as though the Trinity is the Father, Son, and Holy Bible, you probably need to reevaluate your life. The Bible is the inspired word of God given to us by the Holy Spirit. But it is never to replace the Holy Spirit in our life. It speaks for God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But it is never to replace the Holy Spirit in our life. The Holy Spirit should be a part of my life and your life. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 4 and 5 says, In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight in the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. So the Holy Spirit has revealed the gospel and a lot of things that people in the Old Testament, they just didn't know. A lot of mysteries But the Holy Spirit revealed that to the apostles. That's why we have our New Testament today. Now, if the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity, that also tells us something else that's really, really quite basic. And that is that the Holy Spirit is God. Right? Good. We got that. The Holy Spirit is God. He is God by virtue of his characteristics. In other words, um, the Holy Spirit is eternal. He has always been. He will always be. He was there in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. He will be there forever and ever. So that makes him God. He's eternal like God. Um, He is omniscient. He knows everything. There is nothing that I can hide from the Holy Spirit. My wife knows a lot of things that nobody else should know. But she doesn't know everything. I don't even know everything about me. The Holy Spirit knows everything about Adrian Timmons. (laughs) Everything. The Holy Spirit is omnipresent. There is nowhere you can go and get away from the Holy Spirit. Whatever situation you are in life, the Holy Spirit can be there with you. The Holy Spirit is omnipotent. There is nothing the Holy Spirit cannot do. He is holy. He is truth. Jesus called him the spirit of truth. 
In other words, the Holy Spirit will never lie to you. The Holy Spirit will never contradict the word of God that he's already spoken to us. He will always tell the truth. And the Holy Spirit is sovereign. Here's another thing that you maybe haven't thought about, but it's something you really ought to appreciate about the Holy Spirit. Romans 8 verse 11 says that the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. Easter wouldn't take on much meaning for us if Jesus died for our sins and he wasn't raised from the dead. The Holy Spirit raised him from the dead. And then Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, he says, that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will raise you also. Some of you have loved ones in cemeteries. I'm guessing all of you do. That spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will raise us. Will raise those who know Jesus, knew Jesus, from the dead when he comes again. The only way the Holy Spirit could do that is if he was God. And he is God. He's also God by virtue of creation. I've already mentioned Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Here's another verse from Psalm 104, verse 30. When you send your spirit, they, all creatures, are created, and you renew the face of the ground. All creatures that are still being created today, the Holy Spirit is involved with that process. Wow. Now, so, the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is God because of that. Here's another simple truth that flows out of the fact that the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. That is that the Holy Spirit is a person. We say that all three members of the Trinity are persons, right? The three persons of the Trinity. That means then that the Holy Spirit is a person. Now, I did not say that he's human. He's fully God. He did not incarnate himself like Jesus did in bodily flesh. So he did, there's no incarnation there, but he is personal. He is relational. He is a person. The implication of that truth is this. You and I are to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, just as we have a relationship with the Father and with the Son. The Holy Spirit is Trinity. That makes him God. That makes him a person. That makes him personable and relational. 
So you and I then, if we are Christians, should have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Now, the fact that he's personal is demonstrated even by his names. He's called Counselor in the King James or Advocate in the, in the NIV. He's called a Guide. He's called a Counselor. Um, let's look at a couple of these. Uh, John chapter 14, verse 26, and John chapter 15, verse 26 says, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, with whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Now, when you think of an advocate, that is somebody who um, fights for you, stands in your place. The Holy Spirit comes to fight for us. The Father sends him, Jesus says he sends him, and he's going to teach us what Jesus has already taught us. He's going to remind us of everything Jesus taught us. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. Continually come, bringing us back, reminding us of the things that Jesus has already taught us. John chapter 15, verse 26, when the Advocate comes, whom I will send you from the Father. Uh, you see there the in, in 14.26, the Father will send you. In, in 15.26, whom I will send uh, from my Father. Um, the Spirit of truth goes out from the Father. He will testify about me. You and I really don't learn a whole lot of new stuff about Jesus unless the Holy Spirit is involved. <laughs> he testifies about Jesus. So what I want to say is that the Holy Spirit wants to be an advocate in your life and in my life for God's truth, for God's will, and for God's purpose in our lives. He always wants to be involved, kneading the dough, working out God's will, working out God's truth, helping us uh, to live our Christian lives in a way that honors uh, the Father. The second name that, that the Holy Spirit is given in the, in the New Testament that I want to refer to this morning is a guide. Some of you um, hunt, and some of you have either served as a guide, a hunting guide, or you have participated where there has been a hunting guide. Someone who guides you on your hunt. The Holy Spirit wants to serve us as a guide in the Christian life. John chapter 16, verse 13 says, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. Now notice that word guide. He doesn't push you. He doesn't pull you. He guides and leads you. And he leads you into truth. He doesn't speak on his own. He speaks only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. 
And then notice this verse again from Romans chapter 8, verse 14, a few verses later. It says, because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. I have to wrestle a little bit with that. If I'm really a child of God, Paul says, I am led by the Spirit. And so as Christians, you and I need to develop and foster this relationship with the Holy Spirit so that we are indeed aware of His presence and being led by Him day by day. And I want to say to us today that just as you and I have worked put energy into building a relationship with Jesus that you and I also ought to take the time and the energy and make the investment into building a relationship with the Holy Spirit. If we haven't thought much about that before, that's going to be a little bit awkward and strange. (laughs) But I think basic, simple theology calls us to it. If we are being led by the Spirit, we are sons of God, daughters of God. Another name that tells us that the Holy Spirit is personable, relatable, is this fact that he is an intercessor, someone who prays on our behalf. Romans chapter 8, you know these verses very well. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Holy Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he searches our hearts and and knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Wow. So the Holy Spirit is interceding, praying to God in your behalf. Sometimes we don't know how to pray for ourselves, but the Holy Spirit, who knows us better than we know ourselves, is praying to God for us in whatever situation we are in life. That should give us a lot of confidence as we live our lives, that God himself, through the Holy Spirit, is praying for us. When we are at our wit's ends, don't have a clue what to do, God himself is interceding in the Holy Spirit for us. Now, one of the other things, uh, the, the personality of the Holy Spirit is demonstrated by some of his other characteristics. A person has a will. They make choices. The Holy Spirit has a will. Acts chapter 10, verses 19 through 20. While Peter was still thinking about the vision he had, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. So the Spirit clearly spoke to Simon Peter, told him three men were looking for him, and he needed to go downstairs right now. Here's another thing where you see the Holy Spirit's will. 
Acts chapter 13, verse 2. While the church was worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So he said, These are the two men I want this church to send out. And the church set them apart and sent them out. So the Holy Spirit has a will. So because of that, he's personable, relatable. A person also is one who has a mind, intellect, wisdom, intelligence. The Holy Spirit has all of that, as demonstrated in the verses I just read. Um, What about emotion? The Holy Spirit can be grieved, right? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God for whom you were purchased. He loves us. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11 says, However as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no mind has conceived, the things God prepared for those who love him, these are the things God has revealed by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. Who knows a person's thought except his own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except for the Spirit of God. No one knows my thoughts quite as well as I do, except for God. And in the same way, Paul says, no one knows the thoughts that God has about the things that you and I deal with, We don't know near as well as the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit knows because he is God. He knows the thoughts that God the Father and the Lord Jesus have. And he knows the thoughts that they have about your life and my life. That's why it's important that you and I have a relationship with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is in tune with the thoughts of God. Here's two other things about um, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit speaks like a person does. You remember in Revelation, um, uh, and shoot, I would lose it right now. Um, Revelation chapter 2, all the way through, hear what the Spirit has to say to the churches. On every one of the seven churches listed in Revelation, hear what the Spirit has to say. The Spirit is the mouthpiece of God. He speaks for God. So I want to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit so that I get to the point where I hear God speaking to me more often than I do. I want to foster that in my life. And then, of course, the, not only in emotions, but the Holy Spirit also has senses. Touch, hearing, all of those kind of things. Um, and, and, you know, Ephesians 4.30 where he says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God when we sin. We grieve the Holy Spirit of God. It hurts. 
It pains the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit wants for you what God wants for you. As I close this morning, there is a passage of scripture that I've been thinking about and I've been, I've been reading so far I haven't even read within Wesleyan circles at all. Um, preparing for this series, and I've been reading, kind of bouncing all over the map, trying to get a view of how other people uh, view the Holy Spirit and all of that, and, and all of that as as I prepare for this. But one thing has really struck me, and I want to throw it out early in the series, and this is how I'm ending this morning. John chapter 16 Verse 7, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he's getting ready to leave. And he's getting ready to prepare them for him leaving. And he says something that really, I, I, it just hasn't struck me this way before. But he says, I tell you, it is good for you that I'm going away. And I just want to argue with that. (laughs) Because, quite honestly, I would rather have Jesus right beside me that I can have a real conversation with and I can have him tell me exactly what's going on in my life right now. (laughs) And I would kind of want to say, Jesus, I'll trade the Holy Spirit to have you back with me. And you know what that tells me? Something is missing in my life. Because Jesus said, and Jesus doesn't lie, Jesus said, it is good for you that I'm going away. Because if I don't go away, I can't send the Holy Spirit to you. Hmm. So let me ask you, Are there days you'd rather have Jesus live and in person sitting right beside you (laughs) than what he's already given to you because you're a child of God and he lives in you? You need to foster, build a relationship with the Holy Spirit. I need to build and foster a greater relationship with the Holy Spirit because he is God. Because he is personable. Because he wants to have a relationship with me and he wants to have a relationship with you. And out of all the other things that can be said about the Holy Spirit and all the other things that we can debate about the Holy Spirit in the church, I think these basic, basic truths that I don't think anyone would deny that the Holy Spirit isn't Trinity and that he isn't God and that he isn't a person. I think maybe that has more of a radical impact on the way you and I should live our lives as Christians than all the other things churches argue about. 